Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello, everybody. This is Hobbyland Chatter. Talking art with Javier Hernandez. Uh, this is Javier Hernandez talking. Um, and this is my brand new podcast, Hobbyland Chatter. So some of you have known me more than uh, a few weeks or months or even years. Uh, we'll remember that I used to do a podcast called Hobbyland. Uh, that was the podcast for DIY comics. So that was, uh, geez, I haven't done a podcast or hosted my own podcast for about six years. Uh, Hobbyland ran from, I think, August. 2008 to flat well, written down here, September 2010. And basically that was a podcast that was like a round table. So I'd have, I usually have about two or three other artists on the call with me. And then we'd kind of just talk about a particular topic related to uh, comics, cartooning, uh, DIY publishing, specifically self-publishing. But, you know, pretty much any creative question or concern you have as a comic creator, writing, drawing, storytelling, you know, as well as publishing and doing conventions and marketing and all that stuff. Anyway, so that was that was a good run. I think I had about 40 episodes, talked to a lot of different people, uh, but I just got a little busy at the time. This was 2010, and I just decided to, you know, put the show to sleep or whatever. That's a dreadful thought, I guess, if you had to do that to a pet. But I decided to just, you know, end the show, go off on a high note. And um, in that time, actually, from 2010 to now, I've done a lot of books, comics, and I also started co-founded with Ricardo Padilla, the Latino Comics Expo in 2011, I, re- I remember. And that was the, it's the country's um, first comic convention dedicated to Latino creators in comics and related uh, popular arts. So we've been doing yearly conventions of Latino Comics Expo. So anyway, we can talk about that probably in other shows down the road. And I've done a lot of comics. My main comic that most people know me for is uh, El Muerto, El Muerto the Aztec Zombie. I've um, been doing that since, the comic since 1998 when I did the first book. And I've been self-publishing all this time uh, for, what, 18 years through my own imprint, Los Comics. So I write and draw all my comics and I do all the work, you know, the lettering and coloring, whatever, and formatting the book, taking it to the printer, or sending it digitally now. And that means I get to pay for the print cost. Yay! So it's all DIY, and um, I like this podcast. It's just me here talking on the phone for now. Well, obviously I have a guest coming up. And what else can I going to tell you? Hopefully I haven't done too many odds and ums and all that. But, um, yeah, it's been great. Uh doing the comments and such. And then recently I've just been, I've been wanting to do a podcast for a couple of years, but I told myself, because I'm doing this on TalkShoe, obviously if you're listening to TalkShoe here, you know that. It's kind of like just a real bare bones thing. You just record it 
And if you don't edit it or anything, just upload it as soon as you're done and it goes out to the world. That's how I did Hobbyland. And then I, for some reason, when I quit doing Hobbyland, I got it in my head like, well, if I ever do a podcast again, I want to have a whole setup where, you know, I got a professional microphone and I have like an intro music. And I edit the podcast where I cut out all the dead silence and, you know, maybe add something at the end, a little jingle or whatever. And I never, so for the last six years, I obviously have not spent the time to do that because I'd rather have been making comics than running my um, uh, expo. And also I, I teach. So I teach uh, art classes, comic classes, actually. I teach comic book workshops at uh, schools, libraries, museums, whoever will have me. So it's been great. I've been doing that about 13 years, I think, almost by 14 now. So anyway, in, in, in the six years I haven't done a podcast, I've obviously met ton of new artists and, and creative people from different fields. Um, so I just got the bug again to once again do a podcast. And I decided I'm not going to do the whole fancy thing because I'll never do it. I'm not going to spend the time. I, I didn't want to spend time to, you know, edit and all that. So I go, you know what, let's just go back to this simple format, talk shoot. It worked for me before for 40 episodes. Um, it just, the show just starts. There's no music or anything. And we just get right to the topic. So it's kind of like a couple of artists just sitting around, you know, the pizza table, wherever you want, a bar, and just talking uh, talking shop. So this won't be the comic podcast, you know, where we're going to talk about the latest, uh, you know, DC or Marvel TV show or whatever, which is your favorite big superhero movie. Um, you know, I go, I watch the movies. I don't watch the TV shows. But this is not going to – it's also not going to be about – pretty much the mainstream comics, or at least most of the comics you see in the bookstores. It's talking to a lot of independent creators, so like myself, and, um, that, you know, we just do our work and we put it out uh, on our website, in our web stores. We sell it directly to stores, or we do a lot of conventions and such. So DIY. So that aesthetic will stay the same. only thing is it's not going to be a comic-exclusive podcast. Uh, again, talking about the six years in the interim, you know, I've just met other people. Obviously, there's always been other people in different fields, but I just know a lot of great people doing some really great, interesting work in, you know, animation. Um, you know, I'm able to talk to some people from film, uh, books. You know, the literary world is chock full of, obviously chock full of great creative people. So, yeah, I want to keep it kind of broad as far as talking to a lot of other creative folks, not just comics, but comics is a, you know, be a big thing. Even these other fields, you know, if they make a movie or they do animation or write books, you know, they're probably comic fans or there's some type of crossover aesthetic. So anyway, it's going to be a fun show like other shows have been, very conversational. Uh, it should be interesting, like, you kind of like the fly on the wall of a couple of artists just talking art stuff. Um and, you know, we might mention a superhero movie here and there. I know I'll probably mention a lot of crazy stuff, like crazy movies we like, all these comics we've read, all these decades. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of great talk about other stuff besides just our work. But um, it's going to be interesting stuff. So what else does that need to tell you? I guess uh, we're going to be having our first guest today. Um, I think So I guess we'll just bring the guest on, right, because I pretty much introduced myself and I know what we're about. So this show is being recorded on um, February 20th, 2017, our first episode. It's uh, President's Day. So we should give our guest a proper uh, intro. Hail to the chief. <laughs> That's just... 
This is High Tech of the Chosen again. So, let's introduce our first guest to Hobbyland Chatter. He's a fellow cartoonist hailing from the great state of Arizona. Let me now see, I got to get used to this technology here again. I got a control panel I'm on here, and I got to let the caller on. So, I see him here. And let's see, let's see if that works. Does that work? Is the guest on here? Doesn't appear to be. Unless you can, unless the mystery guest can speak up. Let's see. Well, okay, so this is live. Internet radio folks. Let me see. Okay, one more thing I gotta probably click on. Again, a little rusty here. So Hey, I'm unmuted. Hey, oh my gosh, mystery guest, no longer I mystery am... guest. <laughs> Brad Dwyer. Yes, Brad Dwyer, welcome to first episode of Hobbyland Chatter. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thanks, Javier. Yes, yes. Thank you for coming on, and we introduced you with "Hail to the Chief" on this President's Day. So, <laughs> oh yeah, it's super formal. Thank you. I don't know what I would do if it was Groundhog Day. I guess I'd have to play the theme to that movie or something. So. <laughs> <laughs> or April Fool's Day. So anyway, we picked, we picked a good time to get started. Uh, I don't know what that. I don't know what the tie-in is with presidents and comics, but I guess both can destroy the world. Not to get too political here, but. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we might destroy the podcast. We'll see. So anyway, Brad, um, <laughs> would you like to introduce yourself? Since I didn't give you much of an introduction, other than saying you're a cartoonist uh, from Arizona, I can maybe tell the folks about a little bit of at least who you are, and we'll go from there. Uh, I'm Brad Dwyer. Um, I've been doing comics probably since the early 2000s. Um, it's kind of snowballed from just doing sporadic minis to drawing every day. Um, I've done a lot of uh, autobio stuff, and then uh, more recently I've done a lot of uh, uh, more uh, fantastical stories and stuff like that. I don't know if there's much else to say about me. (laughs) No, no, that will will unravel as the show goes, but... um proceeds. So I, I met you back in, uh, let's see, it was at Phoenix Comic Con, I think 2005. That's sounds, that no, sounds that's, right. Or is it, two, wait a minute, it's 2000, no, 2015. Wait, no, it might have been, is it, uh, 16? Was that when you were there? Oh, no, it had to have been 15 or 14, I would think. Yeah, it was 2015, I remember, because, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was my first time out there. Actually, it wasn't my first time. It was my, it was my first time probably two years ago out there. So, um, yeah, I met you with uh, what I called like the Phoenix Comics Mafia. You and uh, <laughs> a group of other cartoonists, including uh, Denny Rosselli, uh, Eric Mengel. You guys had like you had like a handful of cartoonists. Yeah, there's... You guys sometimes collaborate and work together. Yeah, yeah, we formed a big, big island of misfit toys over there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that happens a lot. Every 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 city's got the little pocket of uh, you know groups of creators and such. So it gets no different for you know the Phoenix Mafia. <laughs> but uh, and then also you guys came out to LA, I think, right that same year or maybe a year after. You guys, I met you, I met you guys in Little Tokyo. 
Yeah, we. Uh, there might if you're gonna try to nail me down with dates, you're gonna have a hard time. Oh yeah, no, that's all right. But, <laughs> but not too, yeah, not too long. Like maybe a year after that. Yeah, we. I don't get out of state too often. It's just right, right, not. I wish I, I wish I could afford it, but. Well, we're out here for Zine Fest. Was it Meltdown Fest, or something? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. There was a thing at Meltdown, yes, that we came out oh. for. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. But for the most part, I'm pretty regulated to. Uh, I'm pretty much stuck in uh, AZ. Right on, right on, very cool. Um, so, that, what what got you into like comics? You know, that's that's probably the oldest question that. You know, <laughs> Um, I did well. I think I grew up. My brother was into comics. He had a a modest little collection. Like you know, I I'm younger. I'm a little, a bit younger than you, so uh, it was like the '80s. Like a lot of a lot of his stuff was from '70s, mostly '80s. Probably I remember reading uh, the Spider-Man run, like the Fearful Symmetry with the with the, where Craven uh, kills himself at the end. Oh, okay, right, right. With, yeah, uh, by Mike Zeck, I, I remember reading that when I was a kid and stuff like So it was just like, it was a lot of random comics. And then uh, I was into it and in the 90s, you know, uh, I I think I got my dad to start taking me to like stores and stuff because uh, they existed by then. Yeah. Uh, so I would just kind of pick up random stuff. I mean, I was totally into all that, all the image stuff and all that, at, you know, as a lot of kids were. Yeah, and the I 90s think, and I the picked, So I would pick yeah, up a lot of that stuff, and then I would also pick up, like, random stuff. Like, I, I remember getting uh, some comics from the tail end of uh, the Ninja Turtles, like the first black and white series, the very tail end of where Jim Lawson was drawing them. Oh, okay. where, uh, right. where the city The City at War ones. I remember, like, being in, like... Uh, I want to say like sixth or seventh grade and being like taking them like we had a reading time at school where we had to read during the day and like bringing them in and like uh, showing my friends like look look Donatello has a fucking Uzi oh I'm sorry I've already I've already had a couple beers so I threw I threw an F word in there sorry but anyways but like Donatello has a Uzi and he's blasting this ninja you know Wow. Now, so, wait a minute. That was that was that kind of that was, Ninja Turtles was probably my gateway into uh like more indie ish stuff. Weirdly, because I watched the cartoons first. Yeah. But I think an older a a friend's older brother had uh had uh some collections of the original comics and then uh you know, some heavy metals and stuff like that. And then I kinda dropped I kinda dropped that stuff in high school. And started uh, playing in punk rock bands and stuff like that. But then uh, once I met my wife, I kind of slowed down. And then I had started having kids, and I slowed way, way down. Right. So I ended up spending a lot of time at home. So that's and I was, I just kind of slowly transitioned from doing music to doing uh, comics. Now you, you you said you had like that slowdown. When did you start? Like maybe. Uh picking up the pace again as far as, like, okay, kind of just getting back, like, was it like maybe your kids got a little older and then you just find oh, out you had more... As far as uh, uh, reading comics? No, as or far as, like, uh, actually... Yeah, like, actually making them. Comics. Yeah, making them. 
Well, making them, I never really made them. I I doodled a lot and stuff as a kid, but then uh, in before I had kids, like when I was in, it was like probably like uh, this was probably early two thousands. I uh, I was living in punk houses with like friends and stuff, and I lived down the street from a comic shop, and uh, and been in a comic shop for a long time, and it was right next to a Denny's, and so I. Uh, one day I walked over there, like hung over, and then got a bagel and stuff. And then I walked to the comic shop next door to just check stuff out. And I didn't really. Uh, it'd been a long time since I seen comics, like mainstream comics. So I didn't know what was happening or what was going on in the storylines or whatever. So like I, I ended up uh, kind of getting pointed towards uh, like mini comics and stuff like that. Right. And and I I think one of the I looked at a lot of mini comics and uh, eventually I got into like uh, like Jeffrey Brown's uh, first autobio stuff like Clumsy and stuff like that. I was really into that stuff because it just uh, it had the same kind of aesthetic as like it, to me it seemed like uh, aesthetically it was kind of like punk rock because it, it it it's harder to do than it uh, really is but. Uh, it seemed like something that anybody could do. Like it's very like rough lines and, you know, not, right. not super polished stuff. Like, uh, like in my mind had always been comics. <clears throat> right. Right. Well, you kind of had that precedent set back in, I guess the late sixties, early seventies when you had the underground guys, right? Spain, Rodriguez, yeah. Crumb. Those yeah. Well, yeah. Well, growing, like growing up, like uh, I was into you know pretty mainstream stuff. I mean, because that's why I was there, and like comic shops weren't really a thing, and I didn't have uh, internet. Uh, I lived in a very small town, and we didn't have internet until uh, so pretty much I was in high school, and then only the you know people that are fairly well to do had uh, computers and stuff like that. So just. Uh, like learning about that kind of stuff is what I've learned about all that stuff like well after the fact. <laughs> right, right. After after I kind of got in with like uh, like mini comics and Jeffrey Brown and stuff like that, and like I started getting like more and more like obsessed with that kind of stuff and uh, collecting lots of you know collecting not so much for money but I mean just for just the just like discovering a new thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, rede- yeah. Rediscovering something I had previously not, obviously not known all about. Right. Sounds like a real uh, fertile time in your life, that whole that whole thing that, you know, like from Danny to the comic shop to the punk club and back and then back and forth yeah. between all three, all three places. Like, that's like the perfect upbringing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny, because uh, I haven't talked to you much. We, we, we've obviously talked, but I haven't talked too much of your background. When you're telling me about you know, you really been into the Turtles, especially those Turtles comics you found. Yeah. It really hit me when I'm thinking about, uh, you know, one of your, your I probably your, the, the biggest thing I think you're working on right now is the Eight Men of the Apocalypse. And then yeah. now it just hit, it occurs to me, like, oh my gosh, now I see it. Because it is a, uh, it is a turtle type book. It's it not is, only is it ant- very much. Yeah, you got anthropomorphic animals, you know, frogs and apes, whatever. And then it's sci-fi yeah. and it's kind of superhero-y but it's strong that, like you said, that raw, rough, whatever we call it, aesthetic of, uh, you know, Spain Rodriguez or, um, I don't know if I pronounced yeah, the name uh, right, Bombo, Bombodi or Bode? Oh, yeah, Bode, uh, yeah. Bode, yeah. Uh-huh. 
and heavy metal and uh yeah cartoon and even you know throwing some uh Japanese superhero manga stuff so I, I could see it in your work so it definitely you know I can I can see the thread from the, st- the earliest stuff you looked at and that's I think that's the case with a lot of people, artists you know the, the earliest stuff they see obviously has a big influence on them and it kind of shows up yeah, in the I, work in some ways. Yeah, I think I kind of worked backwards because I was into Turtles when I was a kid and then, you know, got out of it. And then I uh, later uh, I lived in an apartment and I didn't have a TV. I lived in an apartment alone. And I didn't have a TV for a while, but there was a library really close. So I would just go over there and just, uh, I, I read a lot. Of, I mean, I read a lot of novels and stuff, but that, I also, they also had a, a fairly random selection of comics, and I think, uh, like, one of the first, like, Kirby things that I'd really read, like, sat down and read, was uh, they had one of those uh, old trade paperbacks of the Jimmy Olsen stuff. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, I mean, you know, Kirby was obviously so, like, that's like a big part of like the turtle stuff, at least from Peter Laird's like uh, sci-fi portion of it. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I had read, uh, you know, Dark Knight and all that stuff. So I could see how Kevin Eastman was doing like that kind of stuff. But as far as like the sci-fi stuff, like uh, I just, you know, that was when I discovered that I liked Kirby or was weirded out by Kirby or whatever. Like it was just yeah. really weird. It was really weird the first time I read it. Cause like everybody, t- everybody talks about like how the dialogue is really stiff. And like, uh, and at this point I do not think that, but, but I've read right. a lot of Kirby at this point, but the first time I read it, I was just like, this, the diction is weird. Like the, all the concepts are weird. Like these tiny little Superman's and, the Cadmus thing, like all all of it was really, it was just really weird. And I really gravitated towards it. And I think uh, that stuck in my head. And then eventually, uh, eventually when I like stopped going to a lot of punk shows because I have two kids now, or even when I had one kid, you know, I slowed down. Yeah. And I stopped going to shows and uh, auto bio was a big part of my body of work. And then at a certain point, it was just like, uh, well, I can't really write about going to shows anymore or right. doing that kind of stuff. And then maybe at some point I will do, like, a big parenting thing, but, uh, you know, I, I just needed a break from that kind of stuff, and I kind of tried to tap into <clears throat> all the B-movies and uh, weird stuff that I liked when I was younger. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about your autobio stuff because that's one of the books I bought from you when I first met you. But really quick, as as, as you're talking about all this, like, uh, you know, punk stuff and that underground and, you know, Spain Rodriguez, right, this really out there stuff. And then you're talking about good old American apple pie Jimmy Olsen, Kirby style. Kirby, yeah, he really is a mishmash. I mean, he's like, Kirby's a totally straight guy, right, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Clean cut guy, older guy, off you know, good American, you know, ex soldier and everything. But his stuff yeah, like he he's taking this weird, really weird gonzo freewheeling stuff and then he smashes it against this ultra conservative D C comics stuff from the you know, yeah. Jimmy Olsen and all that stuff. And then you get this amazing, unique mix of like you said, his own type of dialogue. His type of concepts, like he has like, you know, 100 concepts per book, and then he forgets yeah. half of them in the next issue because he's got another 200 he just came up with. Yeah. And, yeah, there's, this, there's just a beautiful energy where 
it turns off a lot of people. Like you said, like, oh, the writing is horrible, they say, or it's too weird. Like, no, 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 this is this is the way it is, man. <laughs> yeah, is yeah, stuff. no. You like it or you don't, like anything else in life. But. It's, it's, it's like reading those comics, it's fun to, like, uh, can you it, you can almost see like maybe there was like there was a beginning point and then it mutated as it kept going. Right, it became right, something right. completely different, and that that stuff's fun to read. I mean, like, do you like? I, I know you're interviewing me, but I mean, do you like? Do you script out all of your stories? Like, uh, how like how tightly do you script stuff out? Oh, okay, well, I was going to ask you about that. No, well, this hobby line shows the conversation, so yeah, no problem. <laughs> no, no, ask me anything. I'm going to, well, he can write back. I was going to ask you the same question. Um, as far as the way I, yeah, every comic I do, whether it's a short one or, you know, whatever, 30, 40, 50 page graphic novel, whatever you want to call it, um, I have, there's no scripts. Like, if you went through all my studio and papers and every box I have, you're never going to find a script. Uh, uh, what you're going to find for each comic I've ever done, you're going to find a thick stack of what we used to call typing paper. <laughs> yeah. just, just copy paper, kids. It's ain't half uh, white yeah. paper. Nothing scary <laughs> by saying typing paper. And every page is going to be a thumbnail page. I rough out my all my pages you know, on, on one sheet of paper. Uh, I just lay it out. I just They're more than a stick figure, but they're very loose. And I just, yeah. you know, yeah, I just draw the whole book that way. So I have if it's a 30-page book, I have 30 pages of thumbnails, and that's my script. And sometimes there's some dialogue, little scratches of chicken-scratch dialogue on some word balloons. But a lot of times there's not because I just figure, you know, I quote-unquote, I kind of know what's, you know, I mean, I do know what's going on, but I have an idea of the, what I want them to say. And it's not until after I draw the paper again on the big 7 by 17 Bristol paper and not until after I ink it and not until after I scan it and not until I bring it into Illustrator, uh, the, the program called Illustrator, that's when I need to actually write the dialogue. Okay, first word balloon, you know, you know, as he walks down the street, you know, he looks at uh, him and then word balloon. So what's he thinking? Well, I know he's looking at a monster behind him. I'm like, oh, man, there's a monster. Whatever. That's how I write. You know how I, you know how I learned that? As well, a how kid. You, I, I know. How did you learn that, Javier? As a kid... <laughs> uh, Uncle Stan, Stan the Man Lee, he used to write these uh, books, uh, how to, not how to draw, um, Origin of Marvel Comics. Yeah, kind of yeah. Origin mm-hmm. of Marvel Yeah, like supposedly the way they created the comics back then, but we won't get into all that stuff. <laughs> but he's, he said there was something called the Marvel Method. So just so the listeners know, Marvel Method means basically there's a writer and an artist, and then supposedly the writer comes out with the idea of a storyline and they bounce it bounces back and forth with the artist. And basically, basically the writer's kind of telling the artist uh, what's going to happen. These four people go to outer space, they get hit by the cosmic rays, they come back, they got superpowers, they team up and fight a monster and become a team. And, and so that's what he would tell the artist. Again, we're not going to argue if that's the way it happened or not, but so the writer tells the artist that basic, what, five-sentence plot. The artist goes home and he's got 18 pages, 20 pages. He draws out that whole story. Okay, they go to space, but then he has all these little things. Okay, well, you know, why does you know, why does uh, the girlfriend of the scientist bring her brother along and blah 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 and all this other stuff? And then the artist brings the completed pages back to the writer. The writer supposedly would fill in the word balloons. So as a kid, I just thought, okay, well, I'll come up with the plot, draw it out. And then dialogue it, and that's why I've been doing that um, 
when I started making my own comics, you know, back 18 years ago as far as, you know, in adulthood. So that's why yeah. I don't write a script. And I like that method. And uh, I, I hate the idea of writing a comic book script. Again, no offense to all the great writers over the millions of years have been doing that. You know, wrong with that. But I, I don't want to write a script. I just want to get to the drawing. But I believe I'm writing as I'm drawing. I am telling the story. So that's how I do it. How, how do you work, Brad? Is it, has it changed over the years, or do you have a, a particular method that works for you all the time? Um, I think usually, well, uh, it, it switches from project to project. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it dep- also depends on how, uh, what kind of space I'm working in. Because uh, if I have, I mean, obviously, if like I used to do uh, co- uh, autobio uh, comic strips, and uh, yeah. I, I did them for uh, the free paper here, the New Times, for like a year and a half or two years or something like that. So with that, like I would have to, I would have to have like thumbnails of what was going to happen and stuff like that because I only got like, I only got like three or four panels or you know whatever it is. Right. So you don't have a lot of flex room in that. But if it's a long, if it's a self-published thing, which is the vast majority of what I've done is self-published. If it's a longer thing, then I just kind of have points I want to hit. And then maybe I'll have uh, maybe I'll have thumbnails for like a couple pages like at a time. Or maybe I'll just get to a point where I'm just like freewheeling. Right. And just kind of... uh, no, I know what the next panel is going to be, so I'm just kind of figuring out the panel layout and, and the exact actions in each panel just as I go kind of thing. Right, right. So that's how I did... Like... Yeah, that's how I did all, the most of... Pretty much that's that's eight men. When I did the eight men comic. Uh, which one? And those autobiographical stories you did, like for that collection... Um... Get into comics. Were those from the newspaper strip or were those? No, get into comics was like a thing. Uh, get into comics was like a thing I was working on, and then the I mean the the trap of working like that is sometimes you get to a point and you're like I don't know how to transition to the next point, but I'm already right. here. So it was like, and then also that you know that was a few years ago, so I had a, a little less experience with it. This was the longest thing I had done at that point. So I kind of got to, I think that book's like 75 pages or something like that. And I think I got like up to 40 and then I just stalled and I put it on the shelf for like at least like a year. Right. And and then I was, I worked on, I think I did the, the strip with the, I did the autobiography strip for the paper for a while. And then uh, it kept nagging at me that I had these, all these pages up here. I was like, why don't I finish that? So I just, at a certain point, I just decided I was going to do it. So I just came back to it and with fresh eyes and then finished it off. And actually, okay. it was it was such it was it was such a dramatic, uh, not horribly dramatic, but I mean, I had started using like brushes and stuff, whereas originally I was just using like straight regular pens. Right. And uh, I felt like uh, I wanted to. After I finished the book, I wanted to go back and uh, change the 
the beginning of the book because it was looked so so radically different from the end. So I just kind of figured that like uh, I would do it, I would approach it the same way like I uh, I always thought about like doing a, a set if you're playing like in a band at a venue like start strong and if you have a bunch of if you have some missteps in the middle it's fine as long as you end strong. So that's right, right. How I, that's how I approached it. Because the roughest well, I remember re- at the bit. Right. Yeah, the roughest well, stuff is at the beginning, so. And by the time the person gets to reading the book, it's like they're on a high note as far as, you like your art, your, you know, your craftsmanship, I guess, yeah. I remember uh, reading that book, and I remember writing, you know, in the old days, I would have wrote you a fan letter in the mail, but I remember emailing you and like, ah, I really like the stories. I mean, they're really, you know, it's autobio, so. Yeah. Automatically, well, I mean, if they're well done. They're going to be compelling because, like, well, these are real people. It's a real guy with his, you know, wife and his kids are starting to grow up, and then you know, they're tired of dealing with all that. So, yeah. you know, talking about some of your forays into music and stuff. So, I thought they're really good stories. I really liked them, and that's why I thought it was interesting when you started because I kind of like for me, like, okay, I first learned of Brad because of the Autobio comic, and I go, yeah, he fits in that. Uh, your style works really good in that. And then when I saw you're doing this eight after the apocalypse. I go, wait a minute, this is interesting, because I was going to do like a fantasy, sci-fi, superhero, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I'm, so you're posting the pages, and I'm reading it, and it's the same art style, basically, except you're drawing frogs and apes. But yeah. Your your aesthetic, it just works well for both, or even the type of story you're doing, the sci-fi story. It's not like, uh, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess maybe you gave that script, the eight-man script to... Uh, I don't know, John Byrne and Terry Austin, they do a great job too, but your aesthetic, because there's some humor built into it and there's like a gonzo-ness to the story, um, that, that so-called autobios art works just as good in that. So I think that's how wow, well, you do that. Yeah. Well, thank you. But, yeah, uh, I think I just, I read a lot. I read a lot more stuff and I felt more right. comfortable like using the same kind of style even though it's like kind of morphed and morphed more but using the same kind of aesthetic but like using different because uh, you can't do it quite the same way like the you know I have to start rendering like muscle even though, even if it's a wonky muscle like it still right. has to you know be semi it doesn't have to be but for me it has to be like semi understandable and then, you know, like, incorporating a lot of, like, like uh, permutations of, like, Kirby stuff or whatever I'm reading at the time. Yeah. Like, all that. I tried to put as much of that stuff into it as I can because I feel like if you know what it is, it's a nod to it, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like telling you what, what, how you should be feeling about this. It's like an, a narrative device without being a real narrative device. Well, what was interesting also to me was, you know, this thing of doing the autobio and then these fantasy stories. Um, maybe it's more common now, but it, it kind of just struck me like, well, that's me. I, I love that because I love autobio stuff like Harvey Picar. Yeah. American yeah. Splendor fame. He never drew this mm-hmm. stuff, but he, he wrote it all. Like his stuff is, I love it. It's per, it's fantastic, you know. Um, but he he wouldn't really, he didn't really go out and go, oh, he had a yearning to do like a sci-fi fantasy story and a lot of autobio guys don't it's like no no we only like real life stuff and that's fine i, I, just I think i actually someone... 
I think I actually put some of that into the Get Into Comics book that I did. But, I mean, right. I felt like that was true of how I came at it. I don't think that's true for everybody, especially now. But uh, at the time, I felt like that was true because, like, uh, I just discovered, like, uh, this whole other realm. And like I said, I, I, I've kind of worked backwards through all that stuff, you know what I mean? To find where I was at the beginning or find what's cool about that kind of stuff. Right, right. But it's just plus, like, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Why did I just like to say you could, you know, here's a guy who'll do, he'll do autobio stuff, he'll do monster stuff, he'll do fantasy stuff. Like you don't just stick to one, because it's almost like there's a divide. Like, well, you, you either you either only do autobio all the time, or you're, you know, you do fantasy superhero, or whatever. But yeah, uh, you, I well, think I, I, yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of bled. Yeah, I've, I've bled. It's all kind of bled over because like. In the newer Eighth Men stuff, there's like at least a few pages that are almost, almost autobio-ish. Like there's some similar kind of uh, like conversations that I would do in my autobio stuff, and then uh, for the most part, it's not like that. But it, there is a section that's like that. And then uh, I mean, I've done like uh, so. I've done like a few. I did at least one newspaper story where I was talking to my daughter about all the different uh, tokusatsu shows I'm into and stuff like that. So it's all kind right. of, as I get into more of that stuff, then the autobio gets more of that stuff, you know, injected into it and, you know, vice versa. I mean, it's all, I've just figured it's all from my brain. Yeah. Well, sometimes real life is pretty fantastic and bizarre. So I think it kind yeah. of, <laughs> it's justified. Oh yeah. I have two daughters and, I'm sure it's become more and more bizarre as they get older. There we go. Awesome. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of bizarre and real life weird stuff, we I think we may have a guest caller here. I have to double check the, the board here. Uh, guest caller, are you are you here? Are you on with us? Hey guys. Hey, hello. hello. Is Brad? Yeah, yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, I I'm Ted. Uh, oh, hey, Dad. Hey, I I just I just wanted to call. I I've been listening to you guys and it's it's so cool. Just the I have I mean I haven't heard, listened to podcasts much lately. I, you know I I sometimes do a podcast, but you know I don't really listen. And <laughs> and I'm just I'm just kind of I don't know listening to you guys talking about comics and and the process and especially listening to you, Brad, because I've seen your work, but. You know, I I've never heard you. I've never heard your voice or anything. Uh, and I, trust me, I won't. I won't. I probably won't listen to this because I can't stand my voice. You have a great <laughs> voice. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So this is Ted Seckel from the Idiot Engine podcast. Wow. Well, you know, I, I just I I had to because I mean I'm listening to you guys and I just I. I want to make comics so bad now. <laughs> I want to start drawing comics so bad just because I can hear the the you know the love of the the love of the media you know from you guys you know and it's it's just I don't know it's so it's it's kind of like it it's like recharging and refueling you know I draw all the time but you know I don't know I just I, I it's hard for me to articulate but. Just, you know, but just hearing you guys talk about it and just hearing, 
you know, just just hearing everything about you know Brad and and your process and you know growing up. It's uh, I tell you how it's been a while since uh, since I've been so excited about the the whole thing. It's, it's so you, you guys are doing a great job. I, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> I just want to say I love listening to you guys and I can't wait to get your stuff, Brad. Oh, don't don't worry. Yeah, I will. I promise I will send it to you. I, I can't <laughs> wait. I, I, I don't know. Wow. Subtle, subtle nudge. I feel like the Russians have hacked have hacked me. <laughs> I feel no, like I'm the not, DNC, not, not, the Russian all of this is all American. So that's the exactly. all good. It's all, all good. American, all American, U.S. of A, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but well, yeah, man. You got you guys are doing a great job, and I I, I think um, man, podcasts. I was talking. We were just talking about you know kind of doing podcasts again, and this is <laughs> so great. Anyway, well, well so the, so real well, hang on, Ted. So the listeners, so Ted Steckle, yeah, he's an artist, cartoonist, does his own great comics for I think twenty years now. But uh, so he does a he's been doing a long time podcast called The Idiot Engine, and. He usually has me on. We talk about comic-related topic, and he had me on his most recent show, I think, a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. And after I hung up, I called him. I go, you know what, Ted? I feel the time might be finally, finally right to, uh, you know, get back into podcast mix. So between your show, Ted, and then I did a uh, Jamie Gamble's uh, podcast, uh, mm-hmm. Who I Am. I hope that's right. Who am I or Who I Am? So I did those two podcasts as a guest recently. And yeah, it's like okay, I think the time I could write. Plus, I've met so many people, and you know, like, like someone like Brad and all these other people I have lined up. It's like, yeah, you know, I haven't had them on before. I never talked to them on the podcast, so I think six years is enough time to, uh, you know, uh, recharge my batteries and have met enough interesting people. I think it'll be worthwhile. So anyway, Ted, thanks for calling and uh, yeah, you know, crashing the line. That's great. It's a, it's a little party line right now. <laughs> But I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm telling you how I'm so, I was so excited when you said that because I've been, I listened to you when you did Planet Comic Book Radio first. Oh, man. And then, yeah. and then when you, you jumped, you, you started your own podcast, you're doing Hobbyland. And um, so I was so excited. And this is great, man. Anyway, uh, yeah, get back to it. I'm going to keep listening. And uh, Brad, great listening to you. And I uh, can't wait to get your stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Okay, thank you, man. <laughs> thanks, Ted. Okay. Okay, have a good night, you guys. Take care. Okay, yeah, thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. Wow, Brad, didn't that your uh, your interview was crashed? That's awesome. <laughs> I like Ted's stuff a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's a guy. He's telling me he's inspired. We inspired him. Man, I looked at his stuff and it's like, and his output and how fast he works and like, yeah, that that guy inspires uh, with his aesthetic. So he's uh, he's definitely one well, of the great ones, I think. Well, he's one of those dudes that like I just I discovered after I uh, met you because after I met you, then I went back and listened to some of your podcasts. Right. And uh, Ted was on there a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, on. social media, so you know, you stalk everybody that you're interested in. So. Yeah, I don't know that's awesome. Yeah, no, Ted's great. He he says he, he likes to do the color on my show, color commentary. Like I have a, I'll have an artist on there. He says, yeah, I want to be on there just do color. I go, color, what is this, a wrestling podcast? Where, <laughs> you know, you're Jesse Ventura doing the color commentary. <laughs> so, anyway, that was a nice little quote-unquote surprise. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, so, I want, oh, I want to chat before, before Ted interrupted us. Um, 
you were talking about eight men. Now you had a Kickstarter for the second issue on that, right? How did that work out? It worked out pretty good. I mean, it was a pretty, I lowballed it pretty far because I mean, I'm not, I'm not doing like massive print runs or anything like that. Like all my print runs for everything are pretty low. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, fish in this pond and it's, the pond is right next to a giant lake. So, and the lake is right next to the ocean. So, you know, I'm not like a huge, right. A huge, uh, deal in the comics world, but I mean, still I lowballed it pretty, pretty low, just really, uh, out of just cause I finished the book and I was like, I, I got to do something with this. I can't wait around. I can't wait, wait around to save my paychecks. Right, right, right. So I think, and I thought, man, well, at least I could get the people that bought the first one to kick in for the second one, like a pre-order kind of thing. Yeah. And it ended up working out. You know, it ended up working out pretty good. I mean, it was, it's, uh, it, you know, it's over, past past doubled what I expected, which would just be like the, a really minimum amount just to sell at a con and stuff like that. And this this was your first Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, I was really uh, hesitant about it for like a, a variety of reasons, but yeah, I just gave it a shot. Cool. Well, you know, you'd already done the one book, like the first issue, like okay, I did it here, so it's good that people could see. Okay, he's already done the first one on his own, and yeah, now and basically, I, yeah, know, I, was, I was I was pretty. Uh, I mean, I. I I tell everybody like if I make two lines on a paper I take a picture of it and put it on the internet you know just 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 uh, you know because you're working in a vacuum anyways you might as well uh, get some kind of even if it's just a, a like or or somebody saying oh yeah that looks pretty cool or I can't wait for that or whatever you know it keeps it keeps you going a little bit when you're going working in a vacuum especially if oh, you're yeah. not, especially if you're not receiving any kind of paycheck whatsoever. <laughs> No, I hear you. I hear you. So, uh, issue two done, and then, uh, well, we haven't seen it yet, but, like, is there, does the eight continue, eight men continue to issue three, or? Real, or, uh, or I think, I, I'm pretty sure it'll, it can go to, it's, it'll be issue three, but, I mean, I could, I could easily go further, because right. when I first started, because I, when I, I was in school, I was in the school trying to get my degree, and I had a, a couple classes and uh, there was really long lectures, so I was sketching like stuff in the margins, like trying to figure figure out how to do this thing because I'd previously pretty much only done autobio. Right. I was trying to figure out how to do it, and I think I I started the story in my head like much further, much further along, and then I decided I had to go backwards to make it to make it makes some semblance of sense. So right, I could right. theoretically do, I could theoretically do a lot more issues, but it takes me a long time to do the issues. Well, I remember reading the first one, um, and I, I think I wrote you there too, but uh, I, when I read it, my, my thought was, like, well, this is a you know, fun story, you know, a lot of interesting new characters, and I thought there was so many interesting little, um, like little nuggets of, like potential new ways to go to. It's almost like if you took me on a tour of like a nice big house, like you already have the tour set. But then I kind of yeah. want to go in that in that side room that you just rushed the spot. Like I want to go in there. I want to check out that window. 
I want to go down those flight of stairs because there's some, you know, it's not part of the tour, but there's some really interesting things. So I, I think it's good when you do a story like that and it's kind of chock full of these little, not loose ends, but just like these potential uh, I, Yeah, the, well, they are a little bit. They are a little bit loose ends, but I mean, you can you can pull on them, right? And it'll show something else, but you know, it won't necessarily happen. But that's kind of—I mean, that was going back to like uh, like a lot of the Kirby stuff. Like uh, reading a lot of it, you you don't know where it's going, or yeah. if it's ever going to end, or if there is an end, or when it's going to hit the point that you think it might hit. Like I like that. Uh, like really not knowing exactly where you're going. Yeah, yeah, but it keeps you involved every panel, every page. That's that's the that's the key. So the, you never get bored. Like, okay, where's this going? It's like, wow, where's this going? You know. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like a roller coaster, right? Like, man, yeah, if I'm gonna stop, yeah. I can get my footing for a second. And sometimes yeah. I don't know where it's going. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or at least, or, or I know where it's going, but, but I don't know like the exact route. Yeah. Kind of know how to get there. Um, yeah. The other thing about it's that like it's like company. it's like driving somewhere with that before they had like Google Maps. <laughs> Perfect. Google Maps does kind of spoil it for everybody. You can tell you exactly where to. Yeah, before it was like, yeah, I got you know. One time I was looking for something in Burbank. I live out here in LA. I was looking for a comic shop or something, and then you know we got lost. This was back in the eighties. No Google Map or anything. So I think we just pulled to the side. Let's pull in the street here and try to figure out what's going on. Then we're sit in the car and we looked to the right at this other and it was like another type of bookstore. It was like a collector shop. It was like toys and old men. Like, well, this is even better than yeah. just going to a regular comic shop. So it's good to go down those, uh, you know, hallways that you're not too sure about. Uh, yeah. I, wanted to, I wanted to say one more thing or ask you about eight men. One last thing that I thought was neat. Um, I didn't notice it the first time because like you got these, you know, it's all like Planet of the Apes, this ape empire or whatever. And there's a hero, the standard, you know, spacefaring hero, uh, kind yeah. of standard costume with the Buck Rogers type of the star logo on the around the call. But I didn't realize. I think you told me later, or I read somewhere. I just didn't. I could like, oh wait a minute, that character is pretty much based on this public domain character, right? Fletcher Hank. Yeah, um, absolutely. Star, Star, yeah. Stardust or Starburst? I forgot his name. Uh, uh, well, yeah, Power Nelson. Okay, Power Nelson okay. is the yeah. That is the character, and he, yeah, it's the whole the whole story was based off of a, a golden a golden age story in Prize Comics where where he went to a a uh, planet dominated by apes, and uh, there is you know there the humans were subjugated and stuff, and uh, it predated it was a it was I mean I, I'm sure there's other ones too, but it pre, it was one of the ones that predated uh, the planet of the apes. Wow. And so the I mean that was initially what got me interested in it because I think because I I mean I'm into I'm interested in the public domain stuff anyways. Right, because there's like a there, you know, there's something to it's you know, there's something to work off of. There's something, there's a history. Yeah, and and uh, plus, I'm a huge uh, like Planet of the Apes fan, so it just made sense to try to do a story that was uh, about that. Well, the thing about like public domain for comic book superhero characters, it's almost like, like you said, it, they're public domain now; they're available to anybody. It's like someone doing a. Uh, uh, like a, a story based on an old fairy tale, like oh right, right, like these 
you know, thousand-year-old fairy tales are public domain. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, it's really no different. It's like I can do a Santa Claus comic, or I could look at 1940s characters' public domain, and I can pretty much take one take pick one off the shelf and I do my own comic if I want to. You know, I mean, that's what's kind of interesting yeah. about this public domain stuff. Yeah, I like that there's like a history behind it, and I like the, I like the, there's a, 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 a multiple reasons why I, I chose to do Power Nelson, because one, like, it's it's a goal, it's public domain, and it's from, like, uh, the Golden Age era, which is, like, <clears throat> I'm interested in the Golden Age, like, comics and stuff, because it, it, it's really, like, people, a lot of people trying to figure out how to make comics, because it's a new medium. Yeah. So it's like rocky and, you know, and some of it, you know, it's repetitive and stuff like that, but it's still like there, there's as for as many like really good ones, there's a, a bunch of like, uh, you, if you go through like some of the websites that have that stuff on there, every once in a while you'll find something that is just, it looks like a fanzine. Yeah. It's just like, they just needed to fill pages. And then, you know, that, that kind of, and the stuff I'm interested in anyways, and then also uh, Power Nelson, you know, came out in, I believe, the 40s, and uh, it was Power, you know, his name is Power Nelson, the future man, and it took place in the 1980s. <laughs> the far so that was, that was their future, and that made sense because I thought, like, uh, I thought my drawing style really, like, lended itself to, like, uh, 80s, like, black and white explosion kind of stuff, you know. Interesting, right, right. So it all it all seemed to, like, work in my head. <laughs> no, very cool, man. It's, uh, they're there for the taking, all the golden age you want, kids. Or ancient fairy tales, you know, whatever. It's all the same. Yeah. Uh, um, so... What 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 particular artist? I know we talked about it earlier. Like really, really inspire you, and whether it's comic artists or is, is any other like creators from other fields, music, whatever. Like they really inspire you creatively, even if they're not like, yeah, they don't. That's not because they're doing eight men comics. Just like, like the <laughs> energy they have or the the wildness they have. Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, I I mean, I was always in the punk rock and stuff like that, and. Uh, even I listen to, I mean, I listen to older stuff, but I mean, when I was really into it, I was more into like uh, stuff that was current, you know, like uh, not necessarily popular or whatever, but right. current would. But uh, I I don't have huge. I don't know really know what's going on with that stuff anymore because it's like I think it's one of those things where uh, when I stopped doing it, then I stopped paying as much attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like same, I, I think that's probably true with comics too, to some extent. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, a a lot of bands and stuff that I like. I mean, I could probably talk more. I feel like I could talk, even though I played in bands and stuff. I feel like I could talk more uh, authoritatively on uh, artists and stuff like that at this point. Right, right. Because I've just, uh, you know, I have a. I have, you know, I have a smartphone, so I just, uh, just, uh, fo- you know, follow the internet to where. Oh out. man, it's a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> you, you start well, off looking like, for some. Yeah. 
So, like, uh, well, I don't know. Well, go ahead. Well, the internet is funny. Like, you start off looking for something serious, right? Like, maybe some political topic or something. And next thing you know, you're, like, you know, reading old, uh, like, Specter comics from the 40s. And <laughs> yeah. The stuff is <laughs> wild. <laughs> Yeah, I'd rather read I mean, about that uh, than like whatever I was looking up. You know. Oh yeah, well yeah, I mean, good and bad, you know. A lot of escapism. I mean, I think uh, like uh, my whole like obsession with like uh, Japanese like uh, like Tokusatsu stuff like uh, <clears throat> bloomed bloomed after like I stopped being in bands and was at home with my kids more often and had way too right. much time on the internet, you know, looking at my phone while they're you know doing whatever. Right, right. Yeah, you're a big fan of the Japanese, uh, you know, the live-action superhero stuff and, I guess, the <sighs> manga and anime. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, fir- like, the, yeah the first, the first uh, movie I can remember watching, like, in the theater was uh, the the um, the American release of the uh, Godzilla 1985. Oh, yes. <clears throat> so, like, uh, I, I remember, like, all those, like, Either Saturday or Sunday, like on one of those uh, one of those local stations, they would play like uh, Planet. They would play Planet of the Apes movies or Godzilla movies. Man, so that's I, a channel right there. I, <laughs> so I was I was a huge like Godzilla fan as a kid, and then uh, you know, and fairly recently, you know, I started getting into all the uh, the other shows like Common Rider and. Uh, I mean, I knew about ultra. It's like, like I knew about a lot of stuff, but I didn't. I never seen it. But then you get the right, internet, right. you know, you have the internet on your phone, so you're just like, oh, well, let me find out about this. Let me see if there's a video of this, and then, and then go on the cons. You know, I always, I'll pick up a bootleg here and there. Oh yes, the world, the wonderful <laughs> world of bootleg. Yeah, <laughs> stuff that's not even on um, the internet. Like this guy recorded it somehow, and there it is. Yeah. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Speaking, so, of, uh, speaking of conventions, we should get this in while we're still here. Um, you like doing conventions as a creator, or you know, what are your experiences doing them? Uh, I I like I like being around. It's such a I'm for the most part I'm a uh, I have a part time job, but I'm a stay at home dad. Yeah. For the most part, so like uh, it's a novelty to be around people that are kind of interested in things similar to me. Right. Or or novelty just to hang out with people that I'm friends with, really, <laughs> other than like texting and the internet. So the yeah, your social time away from that's family, a, yeah. That's a huge part of it, and I do like you know I used to play in bands, and so I do like I like having like the table between me and people talking, and then so like I'm comfortable with that. Right. I'm comfortable with that kind of thing. Uh, I don't know how well, like, uh, mainstream conventions are really click with anything I do, but, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I pretty much just do the one here and then whatever, like, little zine things they have around here. I tend to do better at the zine things. Mm-hmm. But that might, that might change uh, as I've kind of switched my subject and stuff. Like, I'm doing less autobio, so maybe I won't do as well at the zine things. Yeah, right, yeah, because they're going to see these uh, eight, eight guys in boxes and, you know, suits and laser guns. And, uh, yeah, I, might, I, might have, I, might have find the, I might have found the sweet spot between what any mass audience would want. 
Yeah, there we go. He may have, he may have cracked <laughs> the code, folks. It's too rough. It's too rough for, like, super mainstream stuff, and then it's too, like, fantastical for zine stuff. That That's not totally true, but, I mean, you know. Yeah, but, you know, the, 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 there is, there is, I mean, there's tons of, of comic readers, so there's definitely, there's definitely readers out there for it. I mean, the stuff I do. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, I know. It's, 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 not it's like, just a, it's a, it's a new, it's still a fairly new thing for me. Like, I'm still trying to right. figure out who's, like, into that or whatever. I mean, I don't really expect to make a massive amount of money or anything like that, but, you know, you have a small contingent of, uh, if you've been doing anything for long enough, you'll, you know, like the comics and stuff, you'll have a, at least a small contingent of people that consistently will buy your stuff. But, uh, you know, I, I, I did like have to, I did like kind of contend with the, with the, some of the people like, um, being used to like my, like punk rock, like, uh, auto bio stuff. And then seeing this shit and being like, the, seeing the, uh, ape men and stuff like that and being like, uh, I'm not, this is not for me. Right, right. No, no. Well, I, I'm in that category. Like, you know, I like I like both of them. You know, I, I like yeah, to see I mean, more people. Well, that's, yeah. That's me too. I mean, I like, I, I just kind of drift to whatever. Like, I, I'm really interested in uh, eventually doing like a, a comic that's like body horror. You know, I was just thinking of that the other day because uh, I was watching, I think, uh, it was like the second reanimator film on, on cable. Yeah, a little yeah bit me too. I've, I've watched, yeah, Reanimator and the, like uh, Cronenberg movies and stuff like that. Right. Like I'm really even uh, there's like uh, not too long ago I re- I revisited the uh, live action Guyver movie. Mm-hmm. And it is weird. It is an insane smash of weird stuff that doesn't go together. It's like almost like like the the Americanized like some of the humor is like the Americanized like uh, Power Rangers kind of stuff like really goofy and then uh, at the same time just really off the wall like body horror like the where uh, I think uh, Mark like Mark Hamill's in that movie I think Mark Hamill turns into a giant cockroach oh wow that sounds like a must see <laughs> I mean it's it's not very good but it's almost worth it yeah. just to see the mishmash of like ideas going on well, I like that aesthetic that you like. You do find in, in a lot of Japanese where it's kind of like the, the characters can be really corny or sen- overly sentimental, but then at the same time there's some horrific stuff going on. And you know, <laughs> yeah. you don't really see that a lot in in Western or American stuff, or maybe not. Well, everything, yeah, everything I've read about like uh, Shotaro Ishinomori, uh, that who did a comic writer, is like he wanted it to be a really kind of dark show. I mean, it's a kid show, but. Right. There's lots of there's lots of dark elements to it, you know. Yeah, well, like, you know, these people are they're, they're they're kidnapped and turned into cyborgs, and every all the monsters he fights are modified humans. You know, they don't really want to be doing what they're doing, but they're you know, at least in the storyline, you know, in real life would just wearing bad costumes, but right, right. <laughs> well, that's why we got to be heavily edited when we get over to America. Like, oh, we can't have that, you know, going on in the afternoon programming for the kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. What do you? What, what? So, what do you see? Like you said, I don't want to do that. Where do you see yourself in five years? But what, what would you like to be doing with your comics as time goes on? You know, you know, I over, mean, over the. I don't totally know. I mean, I think I just want to keep going with 
what I'm doing. I mean, I would obviously like to make some money somewhere, so I'm, but not necessarily but with comics. Maybe just an art venture. Right. No, I doesn't. I I mean, I like having my uh, my little corner to write stories and draw care. You know, draw weird stuff that I, you know, mishmash of things that I like or or things I've never seen before. But I mean, I definitely would like to actually make money doing some sort of like art venture. But I mean, who knows? I mean, part of that is flavored by the fact that I have kids and stuff. No, right, right. Well, you got to your whole I life has got to be, you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, organized. But, yeah, yeah. I want to. I mean, I want to actually, you know, make money for that. But I also want to like. Uh, there's a, also a part of me that wants to prove to my kids that you, you know it can actually be. Uh, not just uh, it can not just be spiritually uh, fulfilling to do like art or follow what you want to do. It can also you know at least sustain you. You know what I mean? Not, I'm not saying like live in a mansion or just you know pay pay, pay something, pay a bill. <laughs> no, right, right, right. Just stay stay above water. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> what you you answer a little bit right now. I love the the spiritual fulfillment part of. What what do you what do you love about comic books? Um, like making them, the make the make them the, the fact about the fact that you can make make your own comics. I I don't know. I think uh, I mean obviously there's a part of me that just likes uh, the uh, like cause I I'm for the most part I draw every day so it's a routine. Right. And I like that. I like that routine. And um, yeah, I don't. I mean, I like to. The, sometimes it's uh, really hard to to make yourself do that kind of stuff. And so I really, I really like just having it at the end, like having this thing I did. Yeah, it's nice. That, yeah, the printed book in your hand. It's. I mean, sometimes it's a struggle to get there, and it's nice to have like. Like this, you know, you can pull this thing out and show people, and like, well, you know, all those hours I was doing this thing and posting these pictures, this, this is what I did. So here right, I right. No. <laughs> like it or not, there's my comic book. Yeah, well, I, yeah. Well, that's art, you know. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, I, I should, I, yeah, I, I might be, I might be, I, it might sound like I'm over, uh, like over worrying about whether people like stuff. I really don't worry about any of that stuff that much. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it comes into your head at least every once in a while. Oh, no, it does. It does. I, uh, you, yeah, like you, I try to, like, hey, I, I think I'm going to do this stuff just for myself, and I hope people enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's, no other, there's no other way to do it, especially comics. Well, that's you have, one thing to, like, I you have to like comics to do it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, absolutely. That's one thing I get from uh, one of my idols, Steve Ditko, it's like, you know what? Like, in his case, I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but he does it because he just, whatever he calls it, loves to do it or he's compelled to do it or, you know, and he's not on, I mean, I'll give the guy credit, man. He's not on Twitter or he's not podcasting about his work. He's not, you know, Instagramming. His, he just does it and he gets published by his uh, publishing yeah. partner and then he goes to the next book. And it's like, man, that's... Yeah. Like that's so like this there's such a purity to the way he operates. Steve Dickel for everybody who doesn't know, he's the 
guy who he's a, he's a cartoonist, he's an artist, he's the co-creator of Spider-Man. You may have heard of that guy in Doctor Strange and a lot of other characters at DC. And of course, he's got a huge body of work where he's been self-publishing basically for the last 25, 30 years. It's very inspiring that. Uh, anyway, it, 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 well, I mean, that's I mean, that's a I know that's a that's amazing too. I mean, like the, the guy that did uh, that, you know did the most work in the creating Spider-Man, uh, you know, basically, essentially makes mini comics now. No, that's, that is a great uh, lesson there. You're right. I mean, Spider-Man's got to be one of the top, what, 10, 5? He's got to be one of the top yeah. 5 superhero characters in the history of the yeah. planet. Yeah. And look what he's doing now. Very recognizable. Yeah. I mean, geez, movies and... So, that, that's a huge inspiration, but... um. You know, one one day we'll have a Steve Dicko episode specifically on on Hobbyland Chatter. I mean, Dicko won't show up for it, but I'll definitely be seeing <laughs> no, it. Shocking. Well, that's, that's, shocking! He doesn't show up yeah. on there. Hey, that's that's the that's the one golden dream of anyone who has half a brain and who does like podcasts or writes interviews. You know, you, if you you know you get Dicko, you made it. But he doesn't do interviews, which is which is actually awesome too. So that, no I mean, that's cool. That's uh, you know, it's it would probably be less. It might be less interesting if you talked. You know, at this point, yeah, it's like I liked it better when like everybody's assuming this or that about him, and they're probably wrong. But it's just you know, <laughs> I, I still enjoy the guy's work. So. <laughs> no, I I, I recently uh, a friend gave me because uh, I've been aware of like the his a lot of his self self published stuff like of of late uh, the last you know five or ten years or whatever, but I haven't yeah. actually read it. But uh, one of my friends uh, passed along a big stack of that stuff, and I was going through it, and I was like, this is, there's really crazy stuff in there. Like, just the, the approach. Like, uh, yeah. Like, some of the, the comics where the, the people just, the people just, the characters speak in uh, fragments. Yeah, the writing is very interesting, the way he writes now. It is fragmented. And you can totally, uh, in a way, like you can almost see, like uh, you can almost see, like Rorschach in, in that. Yeah, that's like right. the Watchmen's Rorschach in that because he he speaks with that. I know that's like based off it, but I still, it's interesting. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Alan, no, Alan Moore was uh, definitely is a Van Dicko, and I'm sure is you know when Dicko uh, started yeah. started writing that way. Uh, yeah. In, over the last twenty years. More pick actually, Washington's older than that, but yeah, no, it's very interesting. That's not very works. One of my friends, I showed him some of those new Ditko comics. Like I said, been doing it for the last eight years, and he looked through them. He's not a huge comic guy, but he looked at it and he came back and man, this looks like it was drawn by a serial killer. <laughs> I don't well, know what that means, uh, you know, but it is a different. You know, it's a looser style. It's getting just more and more um, stripped down to just like. Like, all the line work now on those Dicko comics, it's all the same width. Like, there's no thick or thin. It almost looks like he's using a sheet of copy paper and then, like, a big pen or something. It, I, like I the, really think it probably is at this point because the the lines are pretty uniform. Yeah, I love the fact that it's like, like, a, it's like he's writing letters, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, I'll, I'll save all this stuff for a, an all Dicko episode because uh, <laughs> he's definitely one of the greats. But I'm glad you're not shy or... 
hesitant to appear and talk about your stuff and share it online? I mean, well, you know, to be fair, I mean, well, as far as uh, as this appearance, I mean, I I had to. Yeah. Oh, wait, you're drunk. It's very good here. <laughs> anyway, you're still there, right? Yep, yep, yep. I'm still here. Okay, your voice dropped out. Uh, oh, we're sorry, we're, we're up at about an hour, so it's probably a good time to, um, only because I don't know how long people's, like, you know, listening uh, patience goes nowadays. But, um, oh, do you want to, where can people, you know, find you online um, to at least start looking at some of your work or you have your Facebook address or uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the, I think the easiest way is to just realistically, because uh, I have a couple different like blog spots and I'm on social media and stuff like that. Just just Google Brad Dwyer Comics, D W Y E R Comics, and I'm sure you will find a link to either my uh, auto bio stuff, which is uh, Epic Tales of the Mundane, or uh, the Ape Men of the Apocalypse, or reviews, or in some way you'll find me. I don't have a central hub. No, no, but, now all, but I'm all over the place, so. Okay, so folks, enter Brad Dwyer Comics. Now, you have to enter comics because if you just put Brad Dwyer like I did before yeah, the show, you, I guess well, there's a rugby there's a rugby star. There is a rugby – okay, I'll tell you my Google experience. This is me – this is how I know where I've stopped. Like the post when I Google myself uh, is – if you don't put in that, you'll get more. You put in Brad Dwyer comics, and then you'll get co- me with comics, blah, 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 blah. And then you'll get the Brad Dwyer, who's the rugby player, and you know you have in, hit the end when it, you get to Bud Dwyer, the, the, the politician that shot himself, and the video that's on Faces of Death and stuff. Oh, my God. Okay. That's, well, that's, that's where you hit the – that's where you're like, nope, there's no more Brad Dwyer comics after this. <laughs> wow. Why do I feel people are going to go look that guy up first? <laughs> the way morbid curiosity works. But uh, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you got a doppelganger in the rugby world. I got one in the soccer world. There's a hobby. I, did, I, I looked I looked at I Googled you just the other day, and I saw that. Ah, you know, I hope, to, I hope this works out to our advantage at some point. I have had one of those fans of his buy one of my comments. I get I have a Twitter account, right? And I get a lot of, you know, I wake up one day and I'll look at Twitter and I go, oh, I got five new followers. So I check out the profile. They're all like <laughs> these, they're all like these young kids and they're wearing like a soccer T-shirt or something, and they're from like Malaysia or you know South America. Like no, no, because those are guys that at least look at the picture. I hate to say I'm not that young, <laughs> athletic, handsome, rich, Javier Hernandez. I'm the one who makes comics, <laughs> but. Anyway, um, well, Brad, hey, you know what? Thank you so much for being the first guest on the new Hobbyland Chatter. That was a real treat. I've been wanting to talk to you, like, on a podcast so everybody else can listen in and, you know, hopefully, like Ted Seco, get really inspired and jazzed up. And in- yeah, well, he's probably knocking, out a, probably knocking out a graphic novel since we've been talking. Oh, oh so, yeah. <laughs> no, so long as nobody just gets suppressed by it, that's fine. Well, they'll end up like that other, like that politician and shoot the brains out, but we'll see. <laughs> I know it's a terrible well, thanks thought. thanks for having me on. Yeah, Brad, thanks so much. And, um, yeah, this will be posting pretty, probably right after the show, I'll just post it. I'm sure it's good to go. And thank yeah, you. Yeah. And, um, well, I'm sure I'll see you. Yeah. I'll see you on the Internet. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, sir. Good night. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.
Well, folks, there we go. That was our guest, Brad Dwyer, um, and special extra uh, guest, uh, Ted Secco. That was, a, that was a complete surprise. I don't know how he got the number. But um, <laughs> anyway, folks, I hope you enjoyed this, my first new podcast in some years. Um, hopefully there wasn't too many, like, ums and ahs and whatever. Uh, so now here they come, right? Uh, uh, well, but anyway, thanks again. Um, I'll probably try to do, I'm going to try to do at least an episode every two weeks. I want to keep the schedule light enough where it's not going to, you know, get, get to be too much where it's like, oh, I can't do it. I got to keep working on my comic, which I do have to keep working on my comic. But like I said, I think there's so many interesting people I like to talk to and put it on the air or on, you know, digitally put it up so people can hear it. I think there these interesting people with interesting stories and I think they'll make, uh, Nice listening for you folks who are either fellow creators or just people interested in the work that these folks are doing. So thanks again for uh, listening to Hobbyland Chatter. This is Javier Hernandez for episode one. And thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.